Hello, welcome to Graphic Policy Radio at the intersection of comics, nerd media, and social change. This is your host, Elon Levin, and this is a sort of nerd podcast that's always said, good isn't what you are, it's what you do, in the words of G. Willow Wilson's Ms. Marvel comic, which, oh, by the way, is the inspiration for the in- new Marvel TV series, Ms. Marvel, that we are going to be covering on today's episode. Ms. Marvel, a.k.a. Kamala Khan, was the first specifically Pakistani Muslim-American superhero to get a big push from the publisher. The character, co-created by G. Willow Wilson, Adriana Alfona, and editors Stephen Wacker and Sana Amanat, was a huge moment in the cultural zeitgeist. You know, I'm a huge comics nerd. I'm always keeping track of new, interesting characters that are coming from different identities and always applauding them. But because this had a major push behind it coming from the publisher... People who I knew who don't normally follow comics or the superhero world heard about Ms. Marvel, and they all wanted to talk with me about it. Then when this TV show was announced, suddenly the world of people who were excited about it was even bigger. I really feel like the character creation herself you know, brought so much to the Marvel Universe, and now having her be the star of a Marvel TV series is just giving her that much of a bigger platform, especially what with having actual like Muslim and Desi talent behind the camera, writing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So joining me, I have some absolutely amazing guests. First off is Darakshan Raja. Darakshan is Pakistani-American organizer and Bangora DJ. She is the founding executive director of Muslims for Just Futures, a grassroots organization that builds power in Muslim communities through collective care, organizing, advocacy, and movement building. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So excited to be here and talk about Ms. Marvel. How did you first hear about the character? So I actually heard about the character when the comic books came out because, um, you know, it was a moment, a cultural moment of particularly representation of a Pakistani Muslim teen in particularly a superhero genre. And uh, the actual comic itself does touch upon these issues of Islamophobia, of bullying. And so I had heard about the comics first uh, and known about the author, who was a Muslim woman, and then was really excited that it was going to be adapted into the MCU universe and like a, a Disney series. And so absolutely have loved watching it. I'm sad that it is over for now. Um, yeah. Looking forward to seeing her in the Marvels. But yeah, really excited to talk more about uh, Miss Marvel. Sweet. And joining me is Harini Marchati. Harini is a college student studying biology and history. She is particularly interested in questions of nationalism in formerly colonized nations and interactions between countries affected by colonialism. She also, by the way, is the person who we most consider to be the protagonist of the Cerebro podcast Discord. I don't know if she expected that I might say that, but it is true. She is our protagonist. Welcome to the show, Harini. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I was not expecting you to say that, so I just started giggling to myself as you read that out. It's um, true. But I'm I'm so excited <laughs> to be here and to talk about Miss Marvel because she's one of my favorite characters, like in comics, in fiction. I just love her so much. So I'm really excited and, to be here. Yeah, and we know each other from X Men comics fandom, basically. Yeah, yeah. We kind of connected through Cerebro, which is an amazing X Men podcast. Um, but I also really love Miss Marvel as well. Awesome. And, and my final guest is Sabiha Basrai. Sabiha is a graphic designer and social justice organizer living on occupied Olone territories of Oakland, California. She has been involved with economic justice, immigrant rights, and anti-war organizing since the mid-90s. For the past 16 years, she has 
been a co-owner of Design Action Collective, where she works at the intersection of visual arts and activism. Sabia is a Muslim woman and daughter of Gujarati immigrants. She continues her work for immigrant rights as a member of the Alliance for South Asians Taking Action. Sabia is also a member of the Center for Political Education's Advisory Board and part-time faculty member of the University of San Francisco's Department of Art and Architecture. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you all. Did you get into the character through the show or were you following her from comics time? Yes. Um, like Direction, I grabbed that comic book right off the shelf as soon as it um, came to my comic book store here. Um, I'd also been a fan of Wilson's writing in the past. Um, mm -hmm. The novel Elise the Unseen is something I highly recommend for those who want to have more stories about gins. Um, but I think I, what particularly drew me to the Miss Marvel storyline was how uh, it felt like such a, a, a complicated representation of the Muslim American experience in a way that I hadn't seen represented before. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to kick off the episode by giving folks a quick sort of spoiler-free look at why the show is great, because, you know, I I feel like a lot of folks, there's a lot of excitement and hype for the show. And, um, you know, people want to know, we've seen, we've, we've all seen the whole season. Um, and so we're going to talk real quickly, like we're giving you our pitch for the show, and then we're going to get into the full on spoilers, nerding out section of the episode of the podcast. Direction, what, what did you love about the show that you would tell people they should know to get folks excited to watch it? Oh my God. I feel like I can say so many things here because I absolutely love the show, but I'll say three highlight points. I think one, if you're looking for just a beautiful visual experience with some beautiful music from South Asia, from Pakistan, like if you're looking for that, you're going to get something very visually and sound-wise appealing. In terms of the story itself, you're going to be exposed to something that is very much a transnational story, too, of, of someone who is 18, who was coming to of age of trying to find herself in Jersey City. But the story in particular show even goes deeper into her roots, thinking about the partition that happened within South Asia. And so it's just a real beautiful story, bringing some historical context into a superhero story. So I would say those are two of my kind of big, big pluses that I would say. And third, I just think in the span of a few episodes, they really went deep into a lot of themes. And so I think there's something there for not just Muslims and Desis, but actually for everybody, anybody who is part of that immigrant experience, there's a lot that will resonate with you. So those are my three highlights for Watch the Beautiful Show. I mean, as a person whose ref family of refugee experience that is not Desi at all, I was completely like, oh my God, this reminds me of my grandma. Like, and I cried so fucking much. So yeah, I think that for a lot of people, it'll resonate with those sorts of stories. Harini, um, you fellow comics nerd. I know some comics people are like, the show is different from the comics in some ways and therefore we're like, tell me like, what, what do we say to those who, <laughs> who have said that that is why they're not liking it? So I kind of, I understand where people are coming from and um, you know, when every adaptation that are changes you're not happy with. But I think it's really important to like acknowledge that the core of the character and the core of who the people around her are has been maintained. And I think that's what we love like from the comics the most is like, mm -hmm. I consider her supporting cast to be one of the best supporting casts in any comic book I've ever read. And that energy is like very much preserved in this show. And honestly, I would say it's enhanced because some of the characters that are in the comics um, I maybe don't like so much are done so much better in the show. So I think like 
like the powers, you know, I understand people might not like the powers or people don't like this detail or that detail. Like, oh, they changed it from the comics and the comics, it was like this and the comics, it was like that. But I think the heart of the story has very much maintained the same, has been the same. And I think Kamala as a character has been translated so beautifully um, to the screen. And I think the heart of who she is has been translated so beautifully. So I think if people are looking for like the spirit of the comics and rather than just like going off a checklist of like, well, this didn't happen in this order and this villain didn't come in at this time, um, they're going to be in for a really good experience in that sense. Totally. Thank you. And Sabiha, what is your pitch for folks? Oh my gosh, I can totally relate to what Darkton and Harini both said. Um, what I would add is um, that, you know, as an activist, as someone who um, has been doing organizing work for a long time, which many folks listening may also relate to, um, it's really easy for me to get kind of stuck in reacting to the crisis right in front of my face. And it's much harder for me to imagine what it could feel like in my body and in my community when we win or like when mm. we solve something. And um, a show like this helps me keep a big imagination. It helps me like play with the idea of, of a different way of being. So for those of us who are dealing with the kind of immediate crises, right, of the violence against Muslims in India right now and the continued impact of surveillance of our communities in our mosques here in our own cities in the United States, um, like that's painful a reality for all of us. But this this show gave me space to just imagine and be joyful. And uh, yeah, I, I invite everyone to lean into that. Thank you. That's so freaking real. We need it right now. Um, so to our listeners who haven't seen the show yet, go watch the whole show, watch all six episodes. It's not a ton of content. You can do it. And then come on back and join us because from here on out, there'll be spoilers. Don't say I didn't warn you. So I will say one thing that the show did that I did not expect and that I absolutely loved was the decision to take the character to Pakistan with her mom and really, and like to bring in time travel to share her great grandmother's story. What an amazing decision. What do folks, how do folks feel about like bringing the story into Pakistan and the way that part of her origin story was told with her family's history? I really love the idea of like focusing so much on her heritage and like the connections between her family, because I think that's kind of where the show is at its strongest is when it's focusing on Kamala's relationships with the people, people around her, like her family particularly, but also her friends in general. Um, but I did feel like the pacing of the show was kind of harmed by the decision to go to Karachi for like two episodes and have this like time travel flashback. Um, so I, I loved the content, um, but I just think in execution, it didn't land for me as well, just because I would have liked if it had more room to breathe, but I kind of mm. acknowledge that's a limitation of the setting, um, I, like the the format. I just kind of wish that we'd had more time for things to sink in. Um, but I think it also ties to, and maybe we're jumping ahead a little bit, but that ties to me not being super enamored with the clandestine as villains. Mm. Um, and so that I think was something where I was like, oh, I love this in theory. And it would have landed with me if we had more time if it was done in a different way. Gotcha. Sabiha, thoughts about bringing the story international through family? This was uh, an exciting moment for me because I wasn't sure how they were going to kind of weave in this intergenerational story. Um, and the themes that were taking place in Pakistan in, you know, Nani's apartment, the flat and like the dusty cupboards full of just things. I, it made me miss my grandma so much. 
Um, and I could feel, I could almost smell the, the smells and, and feel like the visceral reactions of being able to go visit my, you know, grand grandmothers and, you know, great aunts and, and collect their stories in tangible ways for people of my generation who are, um, born in the early eighties, you know, it was our grandmothers, not our great grandmothers who experienced partition. And so I kind of heard directly from, um, one of my great aunts, like, what was it like in, in Mumbai in the forties and why did our family not move to Pakistan? Um, during that time. And so just being able to collect those stories as a sense, a source of power, um, for me made a lot of sense that like Kamala's power was activated by this bracelet, which was like, like a passed down family heirloom. And like when I wear my grandma's old earrings, I feel connected to her stories. Um, so I was so here for that part of the, the episodes. It's really powerful. Jarakshan, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So for me, you know, right before they go to Karachi, I think it's either at the end of the third episode, um, you know, you see the images of the partition when the last trains are leaving. And so in my family, you know, my grandparents, like they were actually on some of like on that last train from Jalandhar on India side, right when partition happened and then made it to Pakistan. And so, you know, these were oral histories passed on by our family of what partition did. And I just remember when I saw it in the MCU universe, right? Someone who wa- follows it and watches it. I just had tears rolling down my eyes because I was like, this visual representation is going to sit in one of the most watched sort of universe of comics. And it it actually sort of visualizes something that we were taught and told down and then as the story progresses, and I, and I do agree with Harini in that it, it felt a little bit rushed, but for me, the episodes that really delve into Karachi as a city, her discovering, her talking to her grandma, us going even back to the 40s, I mean, the way they even opened up some of that conversation of the British colonial rule and how people were resisting, and even though folks were resisting together, the tensions that were risen between Muslims and Hindus and these conflicts and that that erupted in that partition happening, the fact that they even went there, that we even saw the depiction to me, and of course, there's like very real critiques of some of the limitations of how the story was told, but for me to visually see that story as something that was given down by my grandma um, was very powerful. And the centering of women's experiences, Mm. the silence around the partition and the violence that specifically our grandmas and women went through in the partition is something that does not often get talked about. And in this particular um, storyline where her grandma is actually murdered, like I think they were centering women's experiences of the partition in a way that I've also not seen before. So to me, though, that was really the highlight of Miss Miss Marvel and where mm. I was actually, frankly, very surprised at that they even went that deep, not just mentioning it as here's a superpower a source as her grandma, the partition happened, and then just totally glossing over it. But the fact that they even gave an entire two sort of episodes or an episode where they're in Karachi, the city, and, you know, to me, I grew up in New York City around 9-11. And so the, even the comparisons of uh, Kamala being in Jersey City and then going back home to Karachi, which is another one of the global mega cities, like 
there's just, it just opens up for me as an organizer, even conversations on a transnational level of how are things like state violence playing out? How is displacement playing out? Because some of this very similar kind of violence we see within the kind of Jersey City, New York City area is also what Pakistanis are experiencing in Karachi right now. So I really just appreciated two cities being able to like visualize mm. and see that. And then also that lineage of the partition, but particularly a centering of women during the partition and the violence that women went through. That's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I am, um, you know, you brought up Jersey City, which is a good reminder. Like the, the show had so much character and specificity to her time in in Jersey City as, as well. And like Jersey City is a place I've been to many times, although I have not lived there. Um, but it was so cool to see that sort of community brought to light. Wanted to read in a letter from a listener that we got. That was from my fellow, the Jewish Vote board member, Katie Unger, who wrote to me to say, um, there's a hundred reasons she loved the show, but one of the big reasons is, is that it embraces collective popular action, online community and fandom as a force for justice. When so much of the superior stuff like Batman's Bane occupy take being the worst doesn't trust crowds to be anything but mobs and yeah i definitely think that is something special and valuable and exciting about the show and i think one of the real strong points was um being able to show the community coming together to also save kamala and kamran and how the community of jersey city was leveraged to be part of the heroing process itself you know i'd actually love to talk a little bit more about this theme of of the way violence is represented in, mm. in this story. Uh, because on on uh, on one hand, I was really impressed with the way that this, um, the train station was presented to us um, during this, this crisis moment of partition. There's been so many other kind of cinematic representations of the train um, that have been just really really violent and and like horrifically violent you know trains arriving in stations where everybody's already dead you know just extreme extremely graphic details and um i was really impressed that the the anxiety the fear um this the chaos of that moment was captured without that kind of level of, of violent imagery mm. um but i still felt uh like oh god my gosh this this moment um, however, when we're back in Jersey City, um, there's like what feels like eternity of militarized police just hunting children at their own high school in their own neighborhood. And um, despite the or maybe even because of people kind of rallying around outside, it even feels more gut wrenching that that kind of militarized police presence was somewhat normalized as like this mm -hmm. is just the way things are in america and um and even at the end of the finale when we kind of see people celebrating the existence of this superhero and and sharing their like tiktok videos about oh i was there i saw them i saw their she fights so well nobody was really naming the just traumatic experience of having this level of just police unloading rounds of their weapons at children. Um, and so I, that really, really stung and like left, left me wondering like, what, what are we reckoning with when it comes to state violence and, mm -hmm. and what are we accepting as normal? I mean, they, they, they let the local cop, the local police force decide to be good guys, which was also like, I knew they were going to do that because Marvel wouldn't be allowed to otherwise. 
But um, I mean, I was I was impressed at how much they were allowed. They allowed the uh, government agency to be bad guys who the existing community there was already like, we're like, oh, you guys are here to racially profile us. Like we've been here. And like to just have that keep coming up repeatedly through the story whenever the the uh, government agency damage control shows up to profile and harass the, 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 the mosque and stuff. Oof, and damage control didn't even take their shoes off in the mosque. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciate Sabiha mentioning that because that was actually one of the difficult points for me to watch last night um, as the as I was watching the the, the finale. Um, you know, for me, the entire time I was thinking about, of course, this violence exists. We know that children and youth particularly have been targeted by the surveillance infrastructure and apparatus. I was also thinking about, you know, they sort of showed partition and violence in the 1940s. But we know that as part of the war on terror, those drone strikes have killed babies, <laughs> um, including in Afghanistan and parts yeah. of Pakistan. Right. And so there was this piece where I was really struggling with about. We're talking about violence as something happened like decades ago, but right now that same sort of origins of white supremacist colonial violence has still continued, albeit it's taking a different form via the war on terror. And we're seeing that manifested in Jersey City, in New York City. I mean, I grew up as a teen, as a youth, 9-11 happened when I was 13 years old. I know after that, like NYPD surveillance were right outside my neighborhood, in our schools, in our, you know, our MSA when I was in CUNY at at John Jay. And there was this a little bit of romanticism in in this last episode where they showed the community really defending each other and the cops sort of protect the community. Whereas in reality, actually, police fully collaborated with the Mm -hmm. militarized state to surveil and a lot of that community has actually been uprooted and, and, and torn apart post 9-11 because people were heavily deported um, in New York City and Jersey City post 9-11. Actually, Pakistanis faced some of the highest rates of deportations among South Asian communities. And so that's where I, I was sitting a little bit with the tension of like, this feels a little bit romanticized and also a bit whitewashing the role of police and the military. And also, I agree with Sabia of like, these were babies. These are youth being like hunted in the streets of New York City and Jersey City. And it felt a little bit like it was glossed over. Mm. Yeah. So I just want to like disclaim that I am not Muslim. So I have a slightly different perspective on this just because like it's not something that impacts me so personally. Um, but I do think that like they kind of I don't want to say tried to have their cake and eat it too, but they tried to address the issue in the sense of like Nakia. I think in the last episode, when Bruno tries to flee to the mosque with Kamran to avoid damage control, she's like, you can't come here. It's a mosque in America. And so I think they're trying to kind of make that commentary, but then they kind of, you know, stepped away at the last minute because I think to fully examine the war on terror in America and to fully examine like the ways in which these forces that hunt, you know, Muslim teenagers, which is ultimately what they were getting at, is like Muslim teenagers in America are hunted. Um, but to fully acknowledge that, they would have to show that, like, it's not just like, oh, the Department of Damage Control is bad. <laughs> and like, even even more than that, um, there's this scene where, like, um, I can't remember her name, but the female um, Department of Damage Control person who's kind of been running this whole show gets a call from her boss, and he's like, "Why would you attack teenagers? You're making yeah. this look bad. You're fired." <laughs> Um, and mm. I just thought that was like, oh, Marvel, <laughs> like you have yeah. to just show it's like, oh, it's just the bad apple. So mm-hmm. they kind of they they showed the issue. And I thought it was like a really, um, you know, <laughs> shockingly, I guess, true to life portrayal, like the fact that they even kind of tried to go there. But then at the last minute, they were like, psych, it's not like a whole apparatus that's targeting 
Muslims in America. It's just like this one bad lady and all the people that she's in charge of. But like she got yeah. fired, so it's fine now. And like all the cops are on their side. And I was like, <laughs> it was it just felt kind of wishy-washy, which again, I don't expect much from the MCU yeah. in terms of political commentary, but it's I think a little bit more disappointing that they like went there and then they like stepped back after the fact. Yeah, that's always the question, right? Like going halfway or ignoring it or corporate media, ladies and gentlemen. But what we did get from corporate media uh, is we have this really wonderful superhero. Like I'd love to hear folks' thoughts about Kamala as a character and how she relates to her parents and family and school and her like, I mean, a lot of the story is also about her trying to assert her independence and identity. Um, you know, I remember feeling after the first episode, like with her parents not wanting her to go to AvengerCon and me just being like, yeah, that's really unreasonable. You should let her go to AvengerCon. Good God. But, um, and I, I actually, at the end of the episode, I was like, do they want me to sympathize with her parents? Like, I, I don't, you know, I grew to love her parents and like, you understand why they're acting that way. But so much of the show is about her trying to find her independence. Like, cause that's the, that's, that's the teen superhero story. I'll start with you, Harini. In the comics, Kamala is one of my favorite characters like ever. And I love that comic, the Jubila Wilson run. Um, and so I was kind of like, how are they going to handle this in the show? But then I turned on the show and immediately like Kamala is making like these goofy little YouTube videos that are like her making animated stories that are basically like fan fiction about the Avengers. She wants to go to cosplay conventions with her best friend and she just felt so like human and and lovable and amazing um, immediately. And I just loved that. Um, and I also thought her dynamic with her parents was um, really fascinating. Um, I, I'm uh, younger than I think most of the people on this, uh, all of the people yes. on this call. Yes, you um, are. <laughs> I'm, I'm in my early, I'm 21. So I'm yeah. young. I still go home when I'm not um, in like my apartment. Um, and so I have a lot of a closer recollection of like what it's like to have parents who are just constantly living in a state of anxiety about their children and like they can't really do anything about it after a certain point, but they just like sit there and worry. Um, and I think it kind of, for me, I felt that like the her dynamic with her parents was one of the strongest parts of the show, just like because to me it felt like, oh, I can tell that like her parents love her and they care about her so much. Um, but they just don't understand like the things that she wants and the things that she needs. Um, and they are scared for her safety all the time. Yeah. Um, and some of that is conservatism and some of that is like this is literally like a foreign country to them. They have no idea how things work. Like everything here is kind of new and scary to them, no matter how long they've been here. Um, and so I thought that relationship was just like really well done. And I, I liked, and I think it's part of a trend that we're seeing now, you know, with movies like Turning Red and things like that, where like you show the conflict between, um, it's always an immigrant daughter and her mother. Um, <laughs> but to me, it's never like demonizing, right? Like mm -hmm. I feel like in a lot of solution, in a lot of stories that I've seen beforehand, the solutions either like the Indian parents or like the Desi parents or the pocket, like whatever parents, immigrant parents are perfect. And like, there's no problems. And like the story's about something else or the parents are like really toxic. And like they either, you know, you, you leave them basically, or they like change into completely different people. And I thought it was really realistic and something that I really appreciated that this show was like, no, her parents are always going to be a little bit strict and a little bit controlling um, in ways that she won't, not controlling in a bad way, but like a little bit um, more involved in her life than perhaps she would uh, appreciate, but that it, it does actually come from a place of love. It's not like her parents are like a problem to be solved in the sense of like, mm. you know, like, oh, we have to Americanize her parents. We have to assimilate them so that like they understand that like how things are done here. It's like, no, her parents are always going to be like pretty firmly <laughs> Pakistani and are going to raise her in that way. 
but they've come to an understanding about what she needs and they're like communicating and things like that. So it's not like they have to, because that is my problem a lot of times in stories like this is that the solution is just for the parents to assimilate. Um, and I think that's really sad. And I think that's yeah. a really bad solution for that kind of thing. So I appreciated that this story was like, it was a legitimate conflict between her and her parents, but the solution was not for her parents to like become American or to completely let go of like, you know, being more traditional or more religious and having, ex- you know, that kind of thing. It was just more like, her parents need to learn that she's growing up and kind of step back a little yeah. bit, but they're not to be demonized and she isn't supposed to abandon them and she's not supposed to, you know, think that they're like the scum of the earth or anything like that. <laughs> um, so that was something that I really appreciated because I think for a lot of ch- people who are children of immigrants, you have very complicated relationships with your parents or relationships with your parents where it's not like you can't say like everything is 100% perfect. But at the same time, it's not like, oh, I want to like leave my family and, and yeah. you know, do something completely different. So I appreciated that level of complexity without demonization, um, especially from her mom, which I think was more of a focus. Yeah, I I think you nailed it on the head. Direction? I'll say to me, it was also one of the strongest parts of the show. I think it it really gets at the sort of relationship you end up having with your parents as a daughter in an immigrant household where you are, you love them, they love you, but you're essentially negotiating and figuring out boundaries. You're figuring out, you know, you, you want to please them, but then you also are trying to figure out your independent identity and who you are. And I actually think that's going to resonate a lot with like, they see, they see girls, they see, you know, they see young women, they see teens, um, because that's a real dynamic in within many of our communities of, of negotiating and navigating that. And I, one of the things I really loved about her, I mean, one, she just, the character is like absolutely lovable and so natural and like really relatable, um, is also the, the ways I mentioned during the show, you see her relationship strengthening with her mother, her grandma, uh, because of what she opens up, also her grandma and her mom's relationship strengthening, her relationship with her father, her brother. Like, they really, what I love about, one of the things I love about Miss Marva Kamala is, like, the relationships around her, it's like her friends, her family, like, they actually provide a much more in-depth kind of a, a, a storyline about her and how all those relationships also essentially protect and build her up and how she negotiates all of them while trying to also maintain her own individual individual identity too. So I think for me that that was one of the like strongest parts of like the show was essentially her negotiating, but also all of the the lovely relationships she has around her and how she's trying to build them and navigate issues and conflicts and tensions that come up. All of her supporting cast are all real full developed people, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they like Bon Jovi, which is very important to me on a personal level. Uh, <laughs> um, Sabia, do you have any thoughts about uh, Kamala Khan or her, the actress's performance? Or Yeah, I, I really agree with everything um, Harina and Direction said. I wanted to just add how um, how helpful I found that that particular negotiation um, around like navigating these kind of dual worlds of, of being like a second generation immigrant story. What was really helpful for me around that was kind of space to talk about patriarchy in Muslim society without demonizing Muslim men. Like we're yeah. adding fuel to the fire of the Islamophobes who have this narrative that I remember, I'm sure all of us remember all too well of just um, Muslim men being bad to their women, right? Forcing them to uh, be subservient, like this kind of narrative that creates a kind of moral justification for um, military interventions um, mm-hmm. in places like Afghanistan. Uh, and so, uh, for me, 
uh, someone who um, I'm an only child and really close to both my mom and dad. And my feminist values very much came from both of them. And um, and I also saw them both push back against traditions that were not in line with those feminist values for themselves. And and they modeled for me what it could look like to to change the kind of beliefs that one was raised with, not in an attempt to assimilate and perform whiteness in their kind of new new country as immigrants, but um, as like really staying accountable to what mattered to them and and what what mattered to them about their culture and religion and relationship to family and what what mattered to them about, you know, how they wanted me to be able to grow up and thrive. So that really prepared me to kind of be able to continue to evolve my own political education and let go of of whatever kind of cultural norms that were, you know, heterosexist and all of these kind of ingrained attitudes that so many of us have had to unlearn. And, you know, my parents didn't raise me on Bon Jovi, but they did raise me on Bob Dylan and Joan Baez. So much love to them. (laughs) Totally. I am. And yeah, I mean, Nakia running for Mosque board, it was such a wonderful little like subplot to have and a, a great beat for her to have. I think she's such a wonderful character. Is, is there anybody from the supporting cast that each one of you guys wants to shout out or and why? And anyone, Marini? Yeah, um, I'm going to shout out Bruno, uh, mostly because in the comics, I do not like him very much. And I don't like his relationship with Kamala very much, like in terms of like, oh, they should date. But I think they're just adorable in the TV show. I think they're like, they're just like cute little teenagers. And uh, I, but Bruno in the show is just so amazing. I love, you don't get to see him as much um, because like Kamala's in a different country for two episodes. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just, they just have such like a natural rapport to them. Um, and I just thought he was just like a sweet character. And I also loved that he just like showed up to all their cultural, he showed up to Amir's wedding and like a salwar and everything. He's just part of the, they've just adopted him into the community. And I thought that was really cute as well. He was even part of the choreographed dance they did. Yeah. for the wedding i liked the dynamic that he had with everyone in the family as well um mm-hmm. i think that was important to fleshing out that like he's part of the community is not just like he's kamala's best friend and like everyone knows him but like you know <laughs> whenever he comes over kamala's mom is like all right i have two tupperwares full of food you're gonna take them no questions asked you're leaving okay great and like he installs a security system at their house and you know all that stuff so i thought it was just um really well done and he just felt really integrated into the community which is a thing in general that i really love about the show is that the community feels so alive um i can you know point to like little things of like oh this person knows this person all that kind of stuff i just loved that it felt so lived in i guess yeah totally what about uh, direction i mean i loved a lot of folks um i think definitely um kia the friend i thought that there was a whole storyline there in terms of sort of community organizing. They used Mm -hmm. the whole entire Eid (laughs) space that literally organized to run for the board of a masjid. And, you know, they even gave a lot of nods, this idea of the side entrance, which Hin Maki ran ran a whole blog. And there's this entire internal sort of organizing and movement from Muslim women who are talking about the treatment of Muslim women in masjids and are organizing to change that, shift that. And so I really thought that was a really beautiful way to talk about an internal dynamic that is happening and a nod to some serious organizing that's been happening for a very, very long time. Um, and to see that like a little bit, little piece of that in, in the story, I think very parallel to the ways they're not demonizing her parents and she's figuring out her individual negotiation with her parents. 
There's also the how are women, Muslim women, figuring out a negotiation within the broader Muslim community. And the mushid becomes that one of those places of institutions of power. Uh, and rather than demonizing the mushid, they're actually thinking about, well, how does Nakia is organizing and shifting and changing things up? And so I, I really, really love that. Thank you. Um, Sabia? Yeah, uh, shout out to Nakia. Definitely uh, modeling um, the kind of agency that that young women can have in in a mosque. Um, I definitely, I wish I had seen this TV show when I was a teenager in my mosque and um, thought about organizing with my friends about things that we could make better for for all of us as as part of that community. Um, I'm also going to just name how cute Sheikh Abdullah is and hmm. how just his very sweet moments. For me, he represents the kind of a religious leader who is is definitely part of maintaining the status quo and the status quo that's problematic in many ways, but isn't shutting new voices down and is hmm. is creating space and kind of the best spirit of being a leader. Um and uh and so many Many of my friends from my generation um, in the mosque I grew up with um, have have kind of moved away from from the religion, from the uh, from the community, from the kind of physical space. And um, I was lucky enough to have um, a, like a, a a leader in my community that I felt like really saw saw me um, in the way that Sheikh Abdullah sees um, Kamala and I probably would may have moved away from my relationship with Islam more so if it hadn't been for just knowing that there were people like him um and and I still uh have a you know kind of complicated relationship with like how do I practice my faith like what are um what are the traditions and rituals that I find meaningful in my life today uh versus the things I just did because everyone around me was doing it um and so I just wanted to 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 name Sheikh Abdullah as a character that kind of pulls pulls me back to like, well, how am I in my mosque? And what are my expectations of the folks who are leaders? That's really great. Um, what are folks' thoughts about uh, the whole setup between the Red Daggers and the clandestine and the jinn, like, and the sort of world building that the show developed that is really unique to it and, and new to the Marvel Universe? I honestly have really mixed feelings. Like I said earlier, this is probably the part of the show that I uh, enjoyed the least. Um, I'm just inherently, there's something in me that kind of reacts a little poorly to the idea of like Kamala's great grandmother is from another dimension. Um, I think maybe it's just because to me, my great grandmother is someone that I know very well because my father was practically raised by his grandmother um in many ways and so or like she was like a second mother to him wasn't it the hugest fan of it um and i think the clandestine were an interesting set of villains in theory again but i just kind of felt that the pacing was a little uh, a little rushed and i think they could have been more interesting if they'd been allowed to be explored a little further um because like they're introduced in the same episode that they like try to kill kamala at her brother's wedding um for not like going along with her plans. Um, so I came away kind of feeling a little bit mixed on that. And I don't know if it's because I don't like the concept in general or just because I didn't like the way it was presented because of how fast everything had to go. Um, but yeah. I mean, you raise an interesting point, which is like, what does it mean if you're saying that actually these specific Pakistani characters are from are from another dimension, like versus 
from Earth, like the ones with the power, the ones the superpowers are. I don't know. Any thoughts about that, Sabiha, Drakshan? Yeah, I agree with with Harini about. I feel like I didn't understand their characters well. I wish we had a few more episodes in the mix here to kind of more more wholly see them. Um, and I though I was on board with the idea of Jins and and the way that the concept of Jins maps to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, when you think about the multiverse of madness or um, the just the like the gods of um, Asgard, like just what what these kind of magical beings, things that we we see as magic as humans on this earth can kind of be explained by the idea of other dimensions and and jinns that are that can cross over into our dimension. And I grew up with all kinds of superstitions about like you don't touch plants at night because there might be jinns like living in them and you don't want to bother them because they might come and mess with you. So I just have always had that kind of surrounding my like back of my head about these this kind of these unseen um beings um so i i was on board with the concept i just wish that um as harian mentioned it wasn't so so rushed um and i think that the kind of closing uh uh statement um from kamran who was kind of like how could i be normal you know how could someone accept me um was was such a perfect setup for this very beautiful statement by um by Kamala saying that there is no normal there's just us and what we do with what we've been given um yeah. so if all of those pieces brought us to that point i was yeah i was here for it that's also I'm- definitely agree with both harini and sabia i think for me i would have loved way more development on who are the clandestines how is aisha connected what's the like what was her story i just feel some of that was really um really really rushed and then also the red daggers being in karachi like why 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 is this part of the world where this is happening um i just yeah i think that that i was a little bit confused around that plot line um and also i do think at the end when kamran is like essentially you know we're not clear what's going to happen, how he's going to be treated by the Red Daggers. Like, that's kind of just, like, left mm. up in the air. Um, I I wasn't sure. I thought maybe they were going to do a twist at the end and say, show something where it's, like, you know, maybe a cliffhanger. Um, because we don't know, right? They're supposed to be, the Red Daggers are supposed to be protecting the world. So I wasn't sure how that was all going to play out, also in the context of Karachi. And, like, yeah, I think I just left with a lot of questions and was a, a little bit lost into where that storyline was going. I thought it was cool that Kamala got to have three really interesting young men who were genuinely interested in her. Like, I don't know that. And that it wasn't done in a way that was like, you have to choose or like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like part of being a young person, making friends and exploring relationships with them, sort of. Yeah, that was all very cute. Um, I'm so here for her teenage romance stories. And and this one was done with such um, such like, genuine sweetness and i yeah i really enjoyed that one of the things again i just really want to underscore is also the level of artists that were involved in the visual design and the music artists that were featured 
I mean, in particularly this series, you get to hear from like the first ever Pakistani woman rapper. Um, you get to hear like folks from Leari. Like it's just even the visual, like the folks that did the visual designs. Mm-hmm. I just really felt like this was a beautiful cultural moment of the kind of art that we're seeing from South Asian artists in this moment and even South Asian artists from like a a diasporic and transnational context of like you had artists in Pakistan as well as you had like Pakistani South Asian American artists too and so that is one of the things I really really appreciated about this is like how many people how many artists we actually got to see their work um, and so, yeah, that's just one thing I wanted to underscore in terms of the, a part of the show that, that felt like a real cultural celebration. Yeah, I feel like I got a lot of cool things to add to my playlist. And I loved the way the visuals, like they they really used the fact this was a comic book TV show to be able, as a visual narrative storytelling device. Um, like, I mean, folks, you know, the, the, that in the last episode, when you have Kamala breaking everything down on the school board in the classroom for how they're essentially going to home alone their way to freedom, so they think and hope, um, like, it uses the comics medium in the in the TV show in really creative ways. Yeah, thanks, Direction, for, for just naming this the, the visual feast um, and musical feast that this, this series has been. Um, I just wanted to to take us back one more time to that scene at the the train station um, and just uh, appreciate what it meant to to have um, Kamala literally brought back in time, like pulled back in time by her ancestor to the most the, ver- the most traumatic moment, so that you can save your ancestors so that you can exist. It's like mm. the idea that, um, you know, we, we, pro- a lot of us have heard this quote, we are our ancestors wildest dreams. Yeah. Um, and that concept clicked for me in this, in this moment of kind of what is it, what does it look like for, um, for those of us who have this generational trauma or whole generational trauma around this particular story of partition and crossing oceans and, immigration and kind of wanting to to live up to to what the hopes were of our parents and grandparents um but also to just like honor that they had their struggles in their time and we get to face ours and we can do that because of of strength that that we got from them not not because we have to replicate specific aspects of their lives Mm. totally I don't think there's anything in particular. I just was really, really, um, I mean, again, like I had my like quibbles and stuff, but I think overall the, the characters coming to life in this way and, um, you know, the fact that we actually got a show that, you know, and it's addressed like the surveillance state against Muslims in America and partition and all that kind of stuff, I think is really monumental. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to say again that I really loved every character in this show um, a lot. And I really hope that um, that love is felt by everyone else uh, who's who watched this show. I, I imagine it would be very hard to watch the show and not come away thinking that um, not only is Kamala an amazing character, but that um, Iman Milani is like an absolute star. And she, yes. she's amazing. I think she's going to do great things. Um, and I just like can't, can't wait to see what's next for her. Oh, totally. I definitely think, though, that the show owes me the opportunity to hear Brown Jovi, which we were promised during the wedding sequence, and whom then we did not get to hear perform. So that is my demand for season two, is a Brown Jovi performance. 
from the uh, Desi Bon Jovi cover band that was supposed to play at her brother's wedding. Do folks have specific things you really want to see in season two? Or, I mean, she's next going to be in this movie with Captain Marvel, but, um, you know, in the ho hopefully we get to have some more of just stuff building into her world. Are there, are there particular storylines from the comics or uh, things that came up this go-round that you'd like it to come back to? Yes, I am um, looking forward to seeing some more character development um, amongst uh, folks like, like Nakia, um, and just giving them more space to, to kind of grow. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the television show portrays um, Zoe and Nakia's friendship. Yeah. Uh, and kind of how, <laughs> how, what the dimensions are that are, um, are represented there as, as, um, and how closely they're going to kind of map to the, the comic book. But I really enjoyed Zoe's character development, um, given that she's kind of, we in, are introduced to her as kind of a, a mean girl mm -hmm. uh, and already saw a lot of shifts um so yes, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to some of those characters kind of growing growing into more complexity yeah i was like please can we not have the jewish character be anti-muslim i like do not need that in my life um so hopefully they get a storyline not entirely different from what we have from the comics um which would also bring some necessary queerness to the to this to the screen yes uh, Drakshan, what do you want to see next season? Yeah, I think for me next season, I, I would really love to see her community in Jersey City that be further developed into how they really anchor her and how that's sort of her launching pad into the world. I also would love to see how does she maintain this relationship with Karachi and like Pakistan with Jersey City? Like, how does that all develop and grow? Um, and I'm also looking forward to seeing her relationship with her mom. Uh, I thought it was really beautiful that her mom made her the Miss Marvel like costume, which yeah. is like kind of a play on a shalar kameez and a dobarta. Um, I really thought that was interesting. And so I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how they would how they're going to further develop that. Can you tell us more what that is? What, what that is? Yeah, so shalwar kameez is essentially it's uh, you know pants and a longer shirt and a dupatta. I mean, it's worn a lot in Pakistan, but I would say all across South Asia. But it's a real kind of like traditional dress for a lot of Pakistanis um, who wear that. Yeah, that was an interesting shift from the comics, right? Because in the comics, she makes her own costume out of a burkini, as she calls it, and like a scarf, and like it's it's like very much her creation. And in the show, it's her, the entire outfit is her mom's creation, right? Yeah. So it struck me as like having it, the whole costume be her mom's creation in the show is like a real, it felt like a huge difference, especially like in so many uh, superhero stories where the parents don't want them to be heroes and it's this big source of conflict. And it's a parallel versus the costume that she made for her daughter to be uh, Incredible Hulk, which was like her mom trying to connect with her and actually getting it exactly wrong, you know? I also just find it really interesting that the costume is like based on a shalwar kameez and a dubarta like that. That's that to me. I'm like, oh, wow, because the burkini was very specific to trying to being like for for, you know, Muslim women to be modest and going out into beaches and swing swimming. But I just found it interesting that this was rooted in specifically Shalat Kamiz. The reason I just mentioned that is because often I think in the storylines, we see the assimilation into Western clothing and Western dressing. 
and to give up your saris and your shalwar kameez and your dupattas and all that. But in this context, it's like bringing that along, not totally dropping it. And so I, I found that to be really interesting uh, in terms of not just the relationship, but also the dress and bringing that with you as a part of your identity. Hmm. That's really powerful. Harini. I think I kind of want to echo what um, both of you guys said, Sabiha and Direction, is that I just love to see more of her relationships with the people around her um, because that was like unquestionably the strongest part of the show. I would love to see more about how her relationship with her parents is changed now that like there's still this tension of we want to protect you and we're scared of like every time you're out of our sight, we're like scared for what you're doing, but also you have superpowers and we know you're a superhero and we're really proud of you and we want you to go save the world. But like, you also have to be home by dinner. I think that's yeah. like a really interesting dynamic and I'm excited to see more of that. And I would like more connections to her cultural heritage and everything. And based on kind of the way this season ended, you know, with um, the Red Dagger and everything kind of being set up as a continuing plotline in Karachi, I think um, we're probably going to get more back and forth and, you know, globetrotting but i would also love to just have some time to breathe and focus in jersey city as well and really develop mm -hmm. that community there because i think that was a really um amazing aspect of the show as well and i also want to agree um about how i love that her costume is based on her like cultural heritage like even the the bangle which gives her the powers is like something that you would wear as part of like you know, you would put on like your shalwar kameez and your kubata and then you would put on the bangles. Um, so I just wanted to say that I loved that aspect as well. Um, so just more of what we got pretty much is what I want. <laughs> I, you know, you, you made me think of something about the relationship with her parents, which is that Marvel doesn't have a Spider-Man anymore whose major concern is, you know, what historically Spider-Man, you know, has had the Aunt May tension and stuff like that and taking care of his family and he's lost that. And Kamala Khan is very much a Spider-Man, right? Like she is a Spider-Man type um, and has, you know, filled that teenage hero with relatable normal kid like challenges that, you know, Spider-Man had played prior to her. So th I think them giving her that stuff with her family to deal with is filling a, what would have been a hole in the lineup, so to speak. But I also like, if they try to like mush her into like the Iron Man Avengers industrial complex, I would be disappointed because I think it would probably squash out some of the ability to have the individuality and character and you know, I mean, Tony Stark is dead, but I just really want her to tell him to fuck himself, which she wouldn't. She's a sweet person, but I don't know. Any thoughts about the relationship with this and the, uh, the broader MCU stories to come, folks? I just wanted to echo something that you said about the relationship to Iron Man. Um, so one of my concerns when the, the show initially started in the MCU universe was the role of particularly Iron Man being a defense contractor and him literally building his empire um, based on war and murder. And so I was really concerned that they might have, if they didn't go down that line in this one of like, essentially making her part of that military industrial complex. And I think a lot of Avengers often fold into in the mainstream of the films that we have seen into the national security space. And so I do agree with you. I think if that they went in that direction, it it would really be disappointing for me to see the storyline. I hope they don't. But that to me would feel like really a departure from like her essence and what has made her like character actually quite powerful. And also, I just want to add in, I can't believe we didn't talk about the X-Men thing once. Like oh, the fact yeah. that she's a mutant. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that could be a whole other 
conversation. But uh, I do agree that I don't really want her to get swept up into all these big crossovers. Um, I think it's because I have MCU fatigue in general. Yeah. Um, but I would love if she just kind of, you know, maybe she pops in for a movie every now and then. What I want is like teenage superhero shenanigans, you know, just her in Jersey City or with her family in Karachi, just, you know, doing teenage superhero stuff, necessarily getting involved with like I don't know, King the Conqueror, whoever the next yeah. big crossover <laughs> villain is going to be, which I, again, don't have that much interest in. So Let's talk about the whole mutant thing. I don't even know how I feel about it, so I'm very happy to outsource having an opinion to you guys. <laughs> I kind of thought all along that this is what they were going to do as soon as they announced Miss Marvel, because I was like, all right, the MCU and humans are nothing. <laughs> they tried and they failed. They're probably more nothing than they were in the comics. So, um, But I didn't really think that it was actually going to happen. Um, and honestly, I don't think I have an opinion on like her being a mutant versus an inhuman in terms of like, oh, like I'm mad that they like changed it. Um, I know some people are. I don't really care as long as it doesn't affect her story. I think like I the personally the spot that I'm at right now is like I don't really care if she's a mutant or an inhuman, like where her powers come from. I would just prefer if she remained her own character rather than like going to Xavier's school or wounding up on Krakoa or whatever they end up doing with the X-Men and the MCU. I kind of want her to stay isolated and not to be kind of folded into the X-Men because I think it'd be really easy for her to get lost there. You know, she's such an yeah. amazing character, but the X-Men are probably like, it's, I mean, they're the most valuable property that Marvel had, which is why they sold the X-Men in the 90s when they went bankrupt, um, like the rights and stuff. So I think I would prefer if, you know, this is just like a hint of, oh, the mutants like came from another dimension or something or like the mutants are in the MCU. Don't worry, we're working on it. Like this is a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the fans. And then we just don't make her like the kitty pride of the X-Men because I think Oof. that would be like a really yeah. terrible decision to do that. Um, so I'm, I want her to be a mutant. I don't really care if she is a mutant or an inhuman or not. Um, but I just want her to stay separate from X-Men stuff in the MCU. Um Although the fact that she's not inhuman means that we won't be seeing Lockjaw, which is uh, a tragedy in my opinion. But oh well. You know, you 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 do bring something up that's like really appropriate, which is you know she's not the first Muslim American superhero, right? There were others, and they were in the X Men, and because they were just in the X Men, they got lost in the shuffle. Nobody ever gave them a solo push, and no one had ever heard of them, right? Like that's why when I did my intro, I stipulated specifically Pakistani American superhero who got like you know a big solo push, right? So yeah, it's true, like. If she was just another X-Men, then she ends up like Monet, you know, who like we love, but is niche as hell, you know? So Sabiha. Yeah, I'm, uh, I appreciate the um, feeling protective of this character and this storyline as its own thing um, and how crossovers can be fun, but also we run the risk of, of the stories losing their, their cohesion. Um, I... Uh, X-Men was kind of my introduction to the Marvel Universe um, as a kid, and I really related and appreciated this this theme of, you know, oppression and, like, state repression that the um, X-Men characters had to to deal with. And even in the, the movies, I remember when the first um, X-Men movie came out, uh, I think I was still in high school, and, you know, this approach to, like, what does it mean to do resistance work? Um, what's possible. And so those themes, those kind of social justice themes, um, really are what has kept me connected to the to Marvel stories. Uh, and so there's, for me, it tracks that like, okay, if there's kind of a, an element of like, what does 
what does Ms. Marvel do with kind of an identity as, as a mutant or as an inhuman? And how does that relate to like what we know about these other characters in the universe of, of Marvel as they relate to like their own identities, who they are, what's in their TNA and like how they're seen by the state um, and what their role is and what their responsibilities are with the powers that they have. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm very curious. I do, I did see, you know, there was plenty of signaling to like, even, um, I think what did I, did I catch this correctly? That the logo of the 10 rings was on the, was on, was in the temple where Najma and Kamala's, uh, gra- great grandmother were like discovering the bangle. Like there was some, there's oh, some wow. signaling already. And that's why I'm excited about the kind of the, the mystical, magical part of the universe being where um, Ms. Marvel stays and the, there are these kind of other veins of the universe maybe don't, don't pull her in. Um, and, and too, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. That's awesome. Thank you. I want Ms. Marvel to give us the kind of personal fuel to continue to do this work and, and keep our eyes on like the campaigns we're trying to win. That's great. So tell our listeners where they can keep up, keep up with your work on the internet, Drakshan. Um, you could find me on Twitter um, at my handle at, at the Rakshan Raja. You can also find me on Instagram where I also share a lot of my cultural work, including my DJing at DJ Kiran, K-I-R-A-N. I love it. Thank you so much. And where can folks keep up with you online? Um, I'm on Twitter at Harini Marchati, um, just my full name on Instagram, I believe under the same tag. Um, I didn't really have any <laughs> work to promote, so I just would encourage you guys to go check out Sabiha and Arakshan's work. Um, thank you. I'm sure it's amazing. Love it. Love it. Sabiha. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for this conversation, y'all. Um, I do really hope that Ms. Marvel stays in the, the, the magical realm of the MCU and not the, 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 our, Iron Man, Tony Stark uh, realm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, for me, um, I just also want to close with like naming that as much as I just have had so much joy watching this TV show and felt so seen. I also know that representation is not enough, right? Like we're all not we're not doing our organizing work so we can have a Muslim <laughs> superhero. We're doing our organizing work so we can stop the surveillance of our communities and um and end these kind of military occupations of our homelands so what i would like to lift up is um our organizations that are actively working on campaigns to end violence against muslims in india um to address fascist governments and and oppression and and do solidarity work um here in the united states amongst diaspora communities so I would recommend folks that you know, check out Daisy's Rising Up and Moving. Um, check out Abolitionist Futures, um, Muslim Abolitionist Futures, Equality Labs, Alliance of South Asians Taking Action. There's also a DC-based org called um, South Asian Americans Leading Together um, that can coordinate uh, Daisy organizing around the country um, as part of a coalition of South Asian organizing projects. So. Um, hopefully we can we can include some of this in in the show notes. Um, Absolutely, I, well, links to everyone would be great. Well, thank you again so much for joining me. This has been such a pleasure. And um, to our listeners, we are gonna. Uh, I don't know the order things will come out. So if our Thor four ha- episode hasn't come out by the time you're listening to it, don't worry. That's what's coming out next. There's going to be more amazing coverage of comics, news, and art, 
and interviews coming in the near future, as well as a new episode of Deep Space Dive, where we will be talking about the uh, Mirror Universe episodes of Deep Space Nine. So uh, I am on Twitter a little bit too much at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. That's Elana underscore Brooklyn. And you are welcome to give me questions, feedback, etc. over there. And as we like to say, keep it geeky.